0: Hello and welcome back to the podcast this week. You are listening to a special offering from Susie Tucker, who was the guest this week. You can listen to her full episode at CandiceWu.com slash Suzy, that's S-U-Z-I. If you listen to the full episode, you might be coming in thinking that this episode is about competence. Well, you will be a little bit surprised, but this just shows just how it is to be present to what is now. So sit back and enjoy this lovely reading by Susie. Hello, everyone. This is Susie Tucker. Several weeks ago, I had the great good fortune to be interviewed by Candace Wu for the Embodied podcast. And in our conversation, we spoke of many things, of our personal work. Wear- and our work in the larger community. And it was so easy and lovely and wide-ranging. And Candace further made an offer to me to create an independent piece. And we were thinking perhaps a meditation or a guided imagery session. And when I thought about it, I thought, you know, when I was a kid, I loved when people read to me. And even now, one of my favorite things in the world is to listen to the New Yorker short stories as I go to sleep. I often have to listen to the same one several nights in a row (laughs) because I don't get through to the end or I don't remember. At any rate, I thought, you know what, I'm going to read to you. So I invite you to sit back or sit up or lie down, keep your eyes open or closed, find the position that is comfortable for you. And I'm going to read to you from Gathering of Fireflies, which is a book I wrote. Wow, way back in 2014. Amazing how time passes. And I opened randomly, and then it seemed to connect with the conversation that Candace and I had about capacity. So I'm going to read to you Brevity's number nine. And I hope you find something in it that's intriguing or inspiring or relaxing. Brevities number nine. Living in the confusion between past and present, everyday decisions sometimes feel overwhelming. And we think we're crazy in being overwhelmed by the common questions, which then adds to the discontinuity between what we desire and what we feel capable of. But in constellations, we open to a larger landscape. And sometimes we see that the systemic dynamics that affect us were initiated further back than even our parents. When we think about what prevents us from quitting or following through, or initiating, or anything else that might logically make life better. Sometimes the feeling in the body is what we can really locate. The words that describe that feeling, the thoughts in our head, are already secondhand, something we superimpose a feeling of breathlessness, or trembling, or paralysis. What is that feeling we feel in the face of decision? What is on the other side of it? Perhaps it's something really far-fetched. I'll disappear. I'll be killed. I cannot bear being alone. Perhaps you can take a moment right now. Allow the problem or decision that's right before you. Let it enter your mind. I can't stand my job. My marriage is horrible. I want to stop drinking. Why am I always so insecure? Whatever it is named, let it in. Then feel the words in your body. What comes up? How would you describe the feeling? I can't breathe. My head hurts. Everything goes blank. It clusters behind my eyes and presses against my temples. It gathers in my chest and pushes me down. a little time travel. These dramatic feelings around everyday problems make us feel crazy or peculiar or lazy or stupid or any of a number of other things. The drama queen, the crybaby, the raging bitch, the little mouse, the mean names we call ourselves and sometimes are called by others. But when we go back a generation, or two, or three, we may find exactly where the feelings make absolute sense. Our right-sized responses, as opposed to insane reactions. Let's imagine, where in your history was the price of speaking up too high? Even death. Where was a complaint or condition received without compassion? Where did success, intelligent talent, and knack for something actually endanger life? Where are there perpetrators who could not face their own guilt or despair? Where are there victims who could not face their own anger or sense of defeat? Where did a benefit happen on the backs of others? Where did some abandon others in order to go on? For whom do we atone? Fight. Punish the men, the women, the children. Put aside our dreams. Destroy our reality. Belittle possibility. Stay behind. What has not ended in our hearts, in our deep and visceral life, the life that teems with hidden energy, not sanctioned or even seen by our own awareness? The events to which we connect concern life and death. Actions that cause the family system to lose its traction. Perhaps for a long time, or even just momentarily, and then head in another direction. War, for example, changes the course of thousands of systems, victims and perpetrators, so that new survival vocabularies evolve. And with them, new depths of grief, anger, distrust. More personally, a young boy loses his father when he is three years old. His course is inexorably shifted. In either case, the next generations will be navigating life and death even as they are moving across the simpler plane of daily living. The original belonging to our family of origin is where we receive the information that has the greatest impact of any other information we ever receive. We don't have an ability to resist those deep messages Some of the messages have been carried through many generations, landing in us inadvertently. Events of the past can fragment the family, leaving people to clamor for balance, visibility, justice, peace. The events that happened so long ago, even beyond our memory, can affect us powerfully. Free-floating anxiety or endless grief or misunderstood terror may travel down to us and we take it on without deliberation, without the wherewithal or time to deliberate. Now the feelings are without context or they appear to be inconsistent with context, with the one that is visible. And yet to our great frustration or worse, our hearts are captured and we seem bound and gagged when it comes to the present. Uncovering an event such as this can have positive repercussions. It may take just a split second to connect to that crazy reaction and understand it within the context of a certain life movement. Once we see it, we can bring it to light. We can gather more overt data. Though the long obscured information that comes through the body, through dreams, through the multi-generational sub-panel, can be reflected back to its original owners. Oh, I see. I share this with you. I don't need to carry it all. Certainly, none of our ancestors, close or far, prisoner or guard, will be brought back or brought peace through our suffering. If anything, our doing well is a balm for those who stand behind us. They paid a price, and still, through us, life goes on. Perhaps it will be in a good way. We cannot relieve them of the burden of their suffering, but we can relieve them of the burden of ours. We have received difficult messages from the past. We can send beautiful messages back. The message is in our joy, our fulfillment, our greater ease with the present and with finding pleasure in creating greater continuity between what we reach for and the felt permission to actually take it into our hands and hold it as our own. Our forebearers' sacrifices gain greater meaning as we take life in and feel able and welcomed to contribute something more to it. Our contribution will by definition, include something of them, of our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, ancestors, as far back as time itself. In this way, with this expanding image, we can honor the past rather than join with it. Thank you so much for listening. you <phone rings>